Welcome to the Intersection of Faith and the Culture. It's Wall Builders. We're taking on the hot topics of the day from a biblical, historical, and constitutional perspective. Great program lined up for you today with special guest Michelle Bachman and the Foundations of Law, part of Foundations of Freedom with David Barton. Welcome to Foundations of Freedom, where we look at important aspects of our common heritage about which most Americans today have been told absolutely nothing. Join me today as Congresswoman Michelle Bachman. Michelle is a federal tax attorney. She is a successful businesswoman. She's a very successful mom, having raised five of her own kids and 23 foster kids. She's also a member of Congress. And in Congress, she serves on some of the most important committees, such as the House Intelligence Committee, which is in charge of our national secrets. Michelle, great to have you with us. Thanks for being here. Great to be here today. And I'm looking forward to unlocking some secrets here as well that a lot of Americans aren't familiar with. And this is so interesting because it's an area that every American is impacted by today. Really, people around the world are impacted by this. It's real practical. It's very practical because the law isn't just some dry subject. This is a topic that was created in the mind of an almighty God. And it isn't just one area. It's multiple areas. We see in the Bible the ceremonial laws, but then it's also the moral law. And all of us know a little bit about that. And it's judicial law, which I have to deal with as a lawyer, but also as a legislator, member of Congress, we also deal with the social compact. And those are the laws between people horizontally to help our society work. So this is going to be great. I think people are going to learn a lot. I'm going to learn a lot. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say today. Great. Well, let's see what some questions are that we've got from audience. Okay. Very good. It seems like we have laws regulating everything these days. How businesses are run, who they can hire, how clothes are made, what food we can buy, even what happens in churches. Is this the way government has always been? Uh, Easy answer to that, no. (laughs) That's the way secular government has always been. When you get to a God-conscious government and look at a God-conscious government, we have great guidance on this. But don't we have a secular government? That's what we're told. That's all we hear. Talk about that. Well, we really don't have a secular government, and the reason we don't have a secular government is because God's the one who ordained it. Now, we do have a separation between the institutions of church and state, but we never separate God out of anything. And so the notion that God is to be separate from government, he doesn't buy that because he's the one who ordained government. Genesis 9 is the first government in the history of the world. It came from God at his ordination. The Noahide laws, seven categories of civil laws. God is in the civil laws. The Bible has 613 civil laws in it. God's really good on everything from immigration to taxation to military to family to business, you name it. He's got it all. So here you have... God and God's laws, and here you have a civil government that you just talked about. How do you have a civil government, and yet God's a little bit, a little bit a part of it, a lot a part of it, no part of it? Well, because God ordained it, He knows best how to run it. Great passage is in, is in 1 Timothy chapter one, verses eight through ten, and this is where the Bible tells us the purpose of law. Let's look at that. It says, "We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is made not for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels." And that's the second thing, is government's not supposed to pass laws to regulate the good guys, supposed to pass laws to regulate the bad guys. But that's all we do is law, law, pass laws, pass laws. I remember in Congress, there was one day when we voted 53 times. I think people would be shocked to hear that, how often this plethora of laws, we, we stack laws upon laws. But that's interesting when you say that the scripture says 
that the law is not made for the righteous, but for lawbreakers and rebels. And look at lawbreakers. It's made for, as it says, lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traders and liars and perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, those are the bad guys. Those are the ones you're supposed to be regulating. The problem we have today is that, as you just mentioned, 53 votes in one day. Any given session of Congress, you guys have between 10 and 13,000 bills introduced every session. And by the way, just as with the health care bill, you have 2,500 pages in the bill, but then you have 50,000 well, pages regulations. of regulations. Oh, it. and it's a law that will never finish being written. That's right. Because, because it goes on that's and right. on and on. That's and right. That's, that's one of the beauties of law is certainty. People need to know what's the behavior expected of me. What do I need to do in response to my government? And so when law is malleable, when it can mean different things, then there's no certainty there's no for people. It. People don't know what to do. So and there's no right, end of government no control end. at that point because they yeah. can reshape it in anything. As Thomas Jefferson said, it becomes a thing of wax which they can make anything they want and it gives more and more control. Now, let me kind of back up here to say, we all know that ignorance of the law is no excuse. You're from Minnesota, I'm yep. from Texas. So I, I go to Minnesota, I, I, I rent a car at the airport, I start driving north, and I'm going 85 miles an hour, and I get pulled over by Highway Patrol Minnesota. He says, you can't do that. I said, wait a minute, 85 is our speed limit in Texas? Well, it's not in not Minnesota. Not Minnesota. That's ignorance right. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. That's right. So that tells me I should know the law, which every single person in America, need to know federal law because you can be arrested for breaking federal law. It doesn't matter what. Well, that's are. an impossibility because we're yes. all trying to lead our lives. And I can tell you for a fact, I've been in the law libraries where it's the federal law, and it is stack after stack, shelf after shelf, page after page. No one could read the well, whole federal book. It's impossible. It. If you made a commitment, now, you talk about that library, all yeah. those books of federal law, and all the federal regulations that come from. That's right. Oh yeah, that doesn't include that, the regulations. That, Congress will pass a law, and then we'll tell the federal agencies, well, now you need to implement that law, so you write all the additional requirements. Well, that's usually where the mess is in yeah. all the regulations, and that's considered law just as much as law. law is. You know, I've got a, a friend. She was a 95-year-old lady. Her name was Esther Armstrong, and she loved prison ministry. I mean, she was everybody's favorite grandma. She was small. She's diminutive. She'd been over white hair. And she would go into the county prisons. She'd go into the state prisons and the federal prisons. And she would mentor these guys and just talk blunt to them. And she was in one of these prisons one day. And what we call a jailhouse attorney, somebody that's got such a long yeah. sentence, they got their law degree while they're in jail to sue to get out. Oh, I've met them. Uh, you've met them. <laughs> one of these jailhouse attorneys came up to her and he, he put his arm around her and he said, Mama Esther. Did you know there's a hundred thousand laws that'll put you in jail? And she looked at him and said, "Do you know there's ten laws that'll keep you out of jail?" Yeah, yeah baby, we know which one that is. That's, that's right. right, the moral law, the moral God's law. moral law. And, and that's why it's so simple in the Bible. You don't have yeah. all these regulated behaviors because if you deal with the inside, the outside is under control. But when you have a secular government, they think that they're God, and at that point, they want to yeah. control every aspect of your life. Only when you have a God-conscious government do you have limited government because you deal with the inside, not just the outside. You know, I had two great godly law professors when I went to law school, mm -hmm. and they had pointed us to Blackstone. Yeah. And Blackstone was the great English jurist. And Blackstone had written that all of common law is based upon the Ten Commandments of the Bible, yeah. God's moral That's law. Right. And I know that different commentators have said that all of law can be reduced to the Ten Commandments and how important that is. And you yeah. know, so often years ago in our churches or in synagogues, 
children learned the Ten Commandments. They learned it, they understood it, they memorized it. And all throughout their life, God would give further illumination to them of what those laws meant. Could you talk a little bit more about the importance and the primacy of moral law here in the United States, all over the world, but what it means here? You know, it's an interesting thing because when you look in the Bible, there are four types of law. There's a ceremonial law, which is- Explain that ceremony. Is that like my wedding? Is that my baptism? Is that, that what is that? That would like the temple sacrifices and what happened there. And and by- Old Testament. That's Old Testament. Old Testament. And it's not necessarily a problem that it's Old Testament, but it's been replaced by the sacrifice of Christ. The way we become righteous now is not by the sacrifices of the temple, it's by what Christ did. So we say- That's an important point because under ceremonial law in the Old Testament, People would try to keep the ceremonial mm-hmm. law because that they saw that that would give them personal righteousness. That's right. Right? That's right. And that would be their future salvation if they followed the law. What a radical difference this between is. the Old and New Testament. And it didn't work. You have, old, and it didn't work because we're we sinful. That's right. And so now you have a perfect Savior, a perfect sacrifice line right. who completely fulfills the ceremonial law of the Old Testament. So that's kind of wrapped up with a bow now. That's right. Right? The next law is the moral law. Which we just talked about. This is where God tells us what's right and what's wrong. Now, this is an important thing because I had a call recently from a, a state senator, and the state senator said, you got to help me. He said, I, I, I've, got a, I've got a friend here that is a Christian guy, and he keeps talking about how that how can you be pro-life and be pro-death penalty? How can you do that? Because the Bible says don't kill. And, and I said, well, he's into the, the New Testament misunderstanding that he has that the Bible actually says don't murder. It doesn't say don't kill. You don't shed innocent blood. You can shed blood. God ordains civil government to shed blood if it's guilty blood. Uh, Romans 13. I said, but... Here. Well, and you just got into a great point because it's who is allowed to shed the that's blood. Right. There's only one entity that God has created, and that's the civil government. That's right. That's allowed to wield the sword. Civil justice belongs to civil government. Now, the sort of self-defense we can wield. I, sure. I can shed someone's blood to If I'm in my house, it's my house, in. my family, I've got my that possessions. Right. I've got and that. our law tells us we that's can right. do that too. They, they protect right. us. And Black says, you mentioned, that's called the castle doctrine. Your house is your castle. All your possessions, all those who live there, you've got the right to defend your castle. That's right. So that's moral law. And I, I asked the senator, I said, do you believe that arson is a sin? Oh, yeah. Do you believe that infanticide, killing a born child is a sin? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you believe that bestiality, sex with animals, is a sin? Yeah. Show me anywhere in the New Testament it's a sin. All that, You can't even show the New Testament where that abortion is a sin. That's a sin in the Old They just don't talk about it. It's See, just not brought up. And it doesn't need to be because right, once God says it's wrong, it's it, settled. it stays wrong. That's right. So, and that that's a very important part of the law, settled doctrine. That's right. that's right. And it's done because the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments are the Ten Commandments. In the commandments. Old Testament and the New Testament. That's right. This is God's moral law. And not just for the Hebrews. That's right. And not just for Gentiles, behavior. for all people, for well, all time. In fact, I, the New Testament talks about how God put the Ten Commandments in our hearts. He put them within yeah, yeah. so that that's why we have a conscience. So that's we right. wonder why we feel guilty, guilty. when a little child does We've something wrong. They know and yeah. it's all over our faces. It's yeah. because he puts it in our heart. That's right. Unless our conscience is seared. Unless we continually turn away from what our conscience tells us is wrong, but you've got the Ten Commandments. Well, this is the Ten Commandments. You don't murder, you you don't commit adultery, you don't steal, you don't purge yourself. But there's no penalties attached to this. That's this is to telling us law. what to do this and is what not right to do, wrong. but it doesn't say what's the, the penalty, penalty if you violate That's right. And, and that's, that's the third type of law, which is judicial law. Judicial law. And judicial law comes in. The ceremonial law. 
Moral law, judicial law. Moral law tells us what's right and wrong. Judicial law tells us if you murder someone, maybe it's 40 years, maybe it's life imprisonment, maybe it's the electric chair. And as you said, maybe, and that's a key point because judicial law changes over time. Moral law never changes. Back in the beginning, uh, with adultery, you got killed in the Hebrew tradition. Jesus comes along, he says, that's a sin, don't do it anymore. But he didn't stone the lady. Today, it's just disapprobation, but it's still a moral wrong. You know, here we are in Texas, and in Texas, we used to hang horse thieves. We don't anymore. It's still a crime to steal a horse, but it, you don't get hung for it. So judicial law can change over time. But Moral law doesn't. Moral, Moral law, law does never change. changes, right. ever, ever, That's ever. Right. Judicial law does change because it may be different in England, That's may right. be different in Australia, may be different in the U.S., may be different in Ukraine. That changes. It's still got a right and wrong attached to it, and you That's never right. get away from the right and wrong. And, and those are what the, the Declaration of Independence called the laws of nature and nature's God. The rights and wrongs that became part of the Seventh Amendment, the Constitution, the common law, that establishes what's right and wrong. Hi, friends. This is Tim Barton of Wall Builders. This is a time when most Americans don't know much about American history or even heroes of the faith. And I know oftentimes for parents, we're trying to find good content for our kids to read. And if you remember back to the Bible, to the book of Hebrews, it has the Faith Hall of Fame where they outlined the leaders of faith that had gone before them. Well, this is something that as Americans, we really want to go back and outline some of these heroes, not just of American history, but heroes of Christianity and our faith as well. I want to let you know about some biographical sketches we have available on our website. One is called the Courageous Leaders Collection. And this collection includes people like Abigail Adams, Abraham Lincoln, Francis Scott Key, George Washington Carver, Susanna Wesley, even the Wright brothers. And there's a second collection called Heroes of History. In this collection, you'll read about people like Benjamin Franklin or Christopher Columbus, Daniel Boone, George Washington, Harriet Tubman, Friends, the list goes on and on. This is a great collection for your young person to have and read, and it's a providential view of American and Christian history. This is available at wallbuilders.com. That's www.wallbuilders.com. We're living in a culture now where we're trying to redefine what we think is right and wrong, and we're redefining the moral law on a regular basis. You can't do that. In other words, we're turning it upside down. Turning it upside down. And that's when you've got trouble. Instead of God telling you what's right and wrong, that's we're right. not having the government, and, and, and that's the problem we get into. Instead of government being limited and going after lawbreakers oh, like the Bible. Preach it. We're going after preach the Preach it. Guys. That's right. And, and that's the problem. And that's the beauty of our government was yeah. limited. It was Jur- limited. Jurisdiction. We, we need to talk about that a little bit, but I know that there's another fourth area of law that we really should touch on, and that's social, social compact. compact. And we need to talk about Social compact law are all the things that fall under the moral law. Mm-hmm. And social compact law is where the will of the these majority the wins. These, these, these are, are the biggies that are immutable that you, you, you cannot disagree. You, can't disagree you shouldn't that. be murdering people. And there's more in the Bible. You know, we talked about yeah. bestiality and arson. Uh, rape is a crime in the Bible. It's not the Ten Commandments. It's a moral crime. You know, God lays all that, the laws of consanguinity, who you can marry and who you can't marry. You can't marry first cousins and you can't yeah. marry sisters. Yeah. So all of that is part of the moral law. And, and that's all laid out. But then you get into things that say, do we want the sidewalks to be four feet wide, five feet wide, or six yeah, feet wide? speed limits. Speed uh, limits. What are, the, what are the load limits on turnip trucks? That's I mean, right. You know, all of Municipal those kind of regulations. That's right. And it really has to do with the whole idea of um, we can kind of do whatever we want other than I can't take my fist and, and plant it on, and my plant nose. It on your nose. That's and right. So anything short of that, you should be able to have freedom. So in other words, when my behavior hurts you, then that's when you have to have a social compact law, right? That's right. You got to do something. It's to give you an orderly society. Orderly society. Orderly society. You can have social compact laws if you're not voting on the moral law. You don't don't get to vote on whether murder is a crime or not. 
No, because it's done. It's done. There are some God's things already said. Because there can never be a dispensation to, to do what's wrong. That's and right. And that's why I think we continue to see in the United States today the ongoing debate about the issue over abortion. Yeah. Because we're talking about something that is fundamental. We're talking about the intentional taking yeah. of a human life. And you can't put into law something that God has already called a That's moral right. evil. That's right. Because the moral law is immutable. You see, here's here's the difficulty we have as people of faith is we know right now in polling only one out of three Christians believe there's absolute moral truth. And that's we, a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem. Because the Bible is full of absolute moral truth. And I guarantee you, when you stand before God, he has absolute moral well, truth. Well, then that tells you what believers think about the inerrant, infallible that's right. word of God. They don't is know Is this it. true or isn't it true? Remember um, in the Old Testament after the scripture been hidden for so long and it was brought out and it was read yeah, before the people? Right. The people wept with joy that's right. because there's freedom in the law. When we think of the law, we think of something scary and we don't want to see the police officer pull us over. I mean, who would? Because you know you're going to get a ticket. But the law is for freedom. That's right. It's to free us, to free us to do what is right. That's right. For our benefit and for the benefit of our fellow man. Well, that's why the Bible calls itself the law of liberty. Yeah. If you will live by it, you've got freedom. And that's, that's right. why Esther Armstrong says, hey, there's 10 laws that'll keep you out of jail. These will keep that's you. That's right. Not 100,000 laws will put you in jail. That's not freedom. That's right. These laws of God will keep you. That's freedom. That's right. And that's the way it the works. Because the New Testament says, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there it's is liberty. liberty. And that's true that's liberty. Right. And that's why going back to the moral law is not restricted. It gives lots of freedoms. It gives lots, because if you live by the moral law, you have control over yourself. You don't need external control that's from right. the outside. There's a there's a great quote from Robert Winthrop that I love that he says, he says, men will be controlled either by a power within them or a power without them, either by the Bible or by the bayonet. Self-control. And it says, if you'll do the Bible, you don't need the bayonet. Yeah. You don't need somebody trying to control you outside. And, and the other thing that we really get goofed up is jurisdictions. What Jesus said in, in Matthew 22, 21, he says, Render to Caesar with Caesar's, to God with God's. There's a jurisdiction where that Caesar has control. There's a jurisdiction where God has control. The problem we've always had, the secular governments think they're God, and they don't recognize jurisdiction. Oh, is that so true today? Oh. And, and a great example is the issue of marriage. Now, yeah. Because God created marriage. God created marriage, it. not government. In Matthew 19, the disciples were asked about marriage. He says, guys, don't you remember? At the beginning, he said, man, woman, whatever God has joined together. So Jesus took them back to the original. And that the deal is, that was God's jurisdiction. That was before civil government ever right. existed. Civil government came in Genesis 9. And marriage came in Genesis Because if you look at sociology and human interaction, it's first man-woman. That's right. Then from man-woman descends children. That's right. And then extended family. And then you, you don't government. need civil government right. mm -hmm. until you have a society. That's right? right. And you got so many families, and then at that point, and that's what God did with Noah. Our, we got a world full of people. Now let's establish that's how right. we do horizontal stuff. That's right. It is the rule. And that's what's so brilliant about our form of government and God's form of government that we are equal. Yeah. For the law. That's right. And that no... We recognize individuals. That's right. Because groups. God says he's not a respecter of persons. He's not partial. That's right. So why should we? Why should government be partial or respecter of person? It shouldn't. That's what should I not. love about the Declaration of Independence is because a creator God created us equal. That's right. That is, that is revolutionary. Even today across the world with world governments, it is still a revolutionary it concept. Is. It shows the worth of 
you. It shows that when God made you, when God made me, when God made the viewers, we are so valuable to him that he lifted That's each right. one of us right. up before him, but yet equal. And see, this is where secular governments get it wrong. When we had the American Revolution, the French Revolution, the American Revolution, we said all men are created equal. They're endowed by the Creator. In the French Revolution, their motto was liberty, equality, and fraternity. So they were into groups, whatever fraternity, whatever group you belong. And that's what we do today. We have hate crime that's laws. That's where we are. We, that's oh, it. You know, we'll protect these guys. I, I that's remember where we're today. one of your cohorts in Congress, when they voted on the hate crime law to protect lesbians and homosexuals, one of your guys in Congress said, well, let's also protect seniors and veterans. They said, no, 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 those are the groups we're trying to protect. <laughs> I remember you know? that. You remember that? I remember uh, that. That's and, right. And so, no, no, we're protecting this group. We're not protecting it. We'll see. Under the American system, when you recognize God as the creator, then every individual has the rights right. for equal protection. You and can't recognize groups. why that distinction is so important between the United States system and the former, and the French system is this. It's tyranny. Yeah. Because well, when, puts government when, in charge. And that's government, right. When, because it's political correctness that rules the right. day. So when you're part of a favored group, then you get special benefits that nobody else gets. That's the very form of tyranny. That's right. Because when government supposedly gives something, which government has nothing to give. That's right. They'd have to take it away from other people. So when they give it to that certain group, that means by definition they're taking it away from you. That's why we had some Supreme Court cases recently yeah. that dealt with this issue. Yeah. You can't take away my right of religious conscience. That's right. Because the First Amendment has protected our right to believe. It came, oh, came from government. Government can't so take away that. And see, this is where the marriage issue is so important on jurisdictions. Yeah. 1913. The, the question before the court was, hey, you religious people have your religious marriages. We secular people, let us have a secular marriage. Let us define it. Sounds government. like France. It sound, well, it sounds like America, yeah. too. You know, we, we want a definition of government that includes us. You religious guys haven't included us, you know, homosexual marriage. And, and so the issue before the court was, can you have a religious marriage and a civil marriage? In other words, can government create and regulate marriage? And here's what here's what the court said. It says marriage, now this is the court. Supreme Court in 1913, uh, a case called Grisby versus Reeves, Supreme Court of Texas said marriage was not originated by human law. When God created Eve, she was a wife to Adam. They then and there occupied the status of husband to wife and wife to husband. The truth is that civil government has grown out of marriage, which is what you just said, which created homes and population society from which government became necessary. Grab this. It would be sacrilegious to apply the designation, quote, a civil contract to such a marriage. It is that and more, a status ordained by God. So you've got government saying, we can't touch marriage. God defined, that's not our jurisdiction. We, we have to stay in our jurisdiction. Man, and it lowers the value of it. Honestly, mm -hmm. when you put government in, it lowers oh, it. It can become anything at that Absolutely. Point. So there's some three dogs and a horse and two men and, and you know, it can be anything. And we're going to get into more of that later. But we've got some really important things that we have to remember to do. We've talked about really important topics. One thing I think, especially for every parent, but for every individual, is to make sure that each one of us learn the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Not just read them, memorize them. And I know in this our is... house, we have them hanging on the yeah. wall. We bought the biggest copy we could get so that it would be before our face every day yep. so that before the kids left the house, we left the house, this was uppermost on our mind. That's right. I'd recommend everyone well, do that. Well, the other thing that goes with that, we're talking about how only one out of every three Christians believes in absolute truth. Mm -hmm. um, some years ago, they had the Promise Keepers Rally in yeah. Washington, D.C., and I was there. A camera crew went around and asked 500 men, can you name the Ten Commandments? Only one out of 500 men can name the Ten Commandments. And this is at Promise Keepers? At Promise Keepers. That's amazing. These are committed Christian men 
Only one out of five. So what you're saying about memorizing the things. It's really important because you know what? I sat down when I was when I was thinking about what we were going to talk about. I sat down and made myself write them out. Did you really? Because it's easier for me to write it out than say it. And just that exercise of going through it. And I have it in my kitchen. I have it in my house so the kids could see it every day. I just want to encourage people, do that, especially for your children. You'll be amazed what they take away. And the second thing is another scripture, and that's to know the purpose of law. We've been talking about that on this show, and that's from 1 Timothy 1. 8 through 10. Memorize it. Memorize, memorize it. Because really, what is the purpose of government? What is the purpose of law? It's to, it's, that tells it, you. It, it teaches Regulate us. the bad guys, not the good guys. That's right. And the purpose of government is to punish evildoers and reward those that's who right. do well. And, then and finally, that's the other part that doesn't get done is we don't reward the righteous. We punish the bad guys, but we also punish the good guys. And we're going to talk rewards. more about that yeah, because right. our government has been busy doing just the Reversing opposite. Reversing the opposite. That's Gee, right. Why do we have a problem, huh? Yeah. So um, the other one is to learn to distinguish the four types of law. And ceremonial law has mm-hmm. been completed. That's the Old Testament, temple worship. Jesus fulfilled that law. The moral law, which we just talked about, hang copy up um, in your kitchen, have one at work, have one in your wallet. And read the Bible looking for rights and wrongs. I mean, because gossip is also a moral wrong right. under God. You know, tell bearing and he that tell separates friends. I mean, That's right. All of that. Read the Bible, looking for rights and wrongs, and they'll say, well, that doesn't apply today. Yes, it does. It's amazing how the basics that you're trying to tell your kids are all contained right then and there. And then the next one is judicial law. And really all that is the punishments for violating moral law. And that can change through time. As long as you don't change the moral law, you can change the punishments. You can change the punishments. But don't don't say, oh, you you know, homosexuality is no longer a violation of the moral law. It is to God. That's right. and, and, And so... That's a moral you, you law. You can change the laws. And you can that's change not social laws. compact laws. That's right. Because social that's compact laws, law. what's the speed limit? Load limits on turnip trucks. That's right. Uh, things like that. So those are the things that we do that's have right. variation and we can't do. And that's why it's so important. A t- another topic that we need to discuss and stretch out another time is the issue of jurisdiction. Yeah. And separating the powers of government. So it's important yeah. to know the basics. You've got ceremonial law, moral law, judicial law, and social compact that's law. Right. Understand what they are and what they aren't. Understand and memorize uh, what the what the basis of law is, what moral law is, and we'll all be better off. That'll defend God our bless. foundations of freedom, and that's what we want to do is preserve those foundations. This is a great start today. Thank you. We're out of time for today, folks. You've been listening to Foundations of Freedom with David Barton. Uh, today's episode was with Michelle Bachman. We're going to finish that up tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to Wall Builders. We stand undivided.